Hi, CityCast listener. The Alley Theater, Houston's oldest and biggest theater, turned 75 this year. For several of those decades, the Alley was led by artistic director Gregory Boyd, who in 2018 went down in Houston's biggest Me Too scandal. Is the Alley past that? Today, I am talking with CityCast arts contributor Olivia Flores Alvarez. It is Monday, November 14th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Olivia, it's good to see you. You too. Good to be here. It's the 75th anniversary of the Alley Theater. How did the Alley get started? What was it back in the day? It was an idea that Nina Vance, who started the Alley, had. She sent out some penny postcards and said, do you think that Houston needs a theater? Do you think we need a professional theater? Right after World War II? Sort yeah. Of yeah. Right. Okay. And she uh, sent them out and invited people to come in. And she had a little tiny location that was actually off an alley. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they got their name. And I have never seen one of the postcards, but I hear that there are still some around. Uh-huh. And she just kind of started with grit and, and guts and said, we need a theater and we can do this. And in the beginning, um, one of the very first people that she hired was a woman named Betty Fitzpatrick that Houston audiences know as a wonderful actress, just magical. Yeah. And she did everything, both Nina and, and Betty and everyone else that was at the alley in the early days did everything. Mm-hmm. Betty would also stage manage. She would help direct. She would do everything, you know, the, the costumes, anything, I think, you know, they were all just kind of doing it all. And they started. Yeah. And it went really well. So they started doing productions and uh, decided pretty early on that they were going to be a repertory company. So they were going to have multiple actors as part of a company rather than just cast every every show from scratch. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, been one of the Alley's strengths, that we've been able to see actors grow and change and become better actors. We saw Betty Fitzpatrick go from a younger woman to an older woman, and we saw her play multiple roles. One of my favorite stories about the Alley is that When I was in high school, I worked at the alley as an usher, and I got to see Betty Fitzpatrick do Mm -hmm. Streetcar Named Desire eight times a week. (laughs) That was my theater education, was watching her do that. Mm -hmm. Of course, she was Blanche. And it was just this wonderful, magical show. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, uh, in that show, Blanche says that famous line, I've always, you know, depended on the kindness of strangers. 15, 20 years later, I saw Betty Fitzpatrick in Angels in America. And in that show, one of the characters says to Betty Fitzpatrick's character, well, I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. And Betty Fitzpatrick's character says, well, that's dumb. (laughs) And it has this echo. It has this echo. It was just this really full moment. And and she did it so straight, you know, (laughs) with no reference to the past or anything, (laughs) but no irony in it at all. It's that kind of moment that yeah. longtime Alley Theater uh, fans have been able to enjoy over and over. It's always been ambitious. It's always been ambitious. It's always reached really high. It aimed to be big, to grow. It has also always been cooperative. I need to say that about the Alley. Yeah. Early on, there was an, a young actor. 
He was a young black man and he was unhappy with the roles he was getting. So he decided, well, you know what? I'm just going to go start my own theater. Uh-huh. And he started Ensemble, oh. the Ensemble Theater, which was a black, which is a black regional theater. And that was George Hawkins. Okay. I didn't know he came out of the alley. Yeah, so they had black actors early on. They just weren't using them as much as they are now. Yeah. I think now, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll get to now in a little bit, but I think now uh, the Alley is certainly one of the most racially diverse yeah. professional theaters in the area. Let's talk just for a second about how the Alley fits into Houston's ecosystem. I think of it as mm-hmm. the 800-pound gorilla. It has overshadowed other theaters, certainly. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see theaters like Stages, you know, uh, Fourth Wall and others, Ensemble as well, some others that are doing new shows that are doing innovative programming. Then you have a a lot of mid-tier kind of Mm -hmm. theaters that are really in the alley shadow, and they've thrown their weight around a little bit. Okay, so we have to talk about Greg Boyd. Absolutely. This was Houston's biggest Me Too scandal. Yes. So just for some context, in 2018, at the height of the Me Too scandal, a Houston Chronicle expose showed that Boyd created a toxic, bullying atmosphere at the alley and that he was singling out young actresses for abuse. Thankfully, all of that came out and Gregory Boyd was gone. Mm -hmm. I will say that in my interactions with him as a reporter for the Houston Press at the time, I do know that he was very controlling over who got to talk to the press what they got to say, you know, most of the time he wanted only uh, to talk to them himself, that kind of thing. So he's very controlling. That was just his personality, his tendency that came across. So I have no doubt that those allegations were true. It's so ironic, given that the alley was started by such strong women. Absolutely. I think Nine Events would have been horrified. It's a shame that that's part of the alley legacy forever. Mm -hmm. You know, I think also that, that it put those cast members, those company members, in a horrible position because they had to know some of what was going on and yet they couldn't talk to anyone about it and they couldn't do anything about it right? Uh, for fear that they'd be, you know, they'd have some sort of retaliation taken against them. Because where else can you work? Right. Yeah. But thankfully he is gone. Uh, did he do good work? Yeah, sure. So did a lot of other people. Is he the only one who could have gotten the alley through that? No. Right. He's, he's not the only one who could have seen the alley through that through that time, there were other directors, uh, other actors, other people who could have mm-hmm. provided the same kind of leadership without that kind of cost in human oppression and, and victimization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big Greg Boyd fan. I will say I am a big Rob Melrose fan, who is the new artistic director. Why are you a big fan? He's been innovative. He's been open. He's uh, brought all sorts of actors of color mm-hmm. into the alley. Uh, He's brought great new programming into the alley. They've done lots of new works, lots of brave works. They've Mm -hmm. semi-fallen on their face a little bit with a couple of them. As you will with brave stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) As you will when you try new things. That's why it's brave. (laughs) That's why it's brave. That's absolutely right. I went to go and see Sweat, which was produced in conjunction with the Ensemble Theater. Mm-hmm. And again, another full theater moment. George Hawkins started off at the alley, had to leave because the small roles started the ensemble, and then ensemble came back to yeah. co-produce a show. Very, very nice. Um, Sweat was about 
uh, racism and uh, had a mixed cast. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a wonderful production, just an exciting, great production. Now, remember, The Alley is responsible for mm -hmm. the musical Jekyll and Hyde, which went on to Broadway and big success. Was huge, yeah. A huge success. But originated here in Houston. Originated here in Houston and just did, you know, they did a wonderful job in launching that. Mm -hmm. So they tried again with a, another musical, and this one was called Noir, uh -huh. about a man who is stuck in his apartment. He can't leave his apartment. He's afraid. And so he's got this kind of tiny little life and he's listening to his neighbors. He spends all day listening to his neighbors. Oh. And one day he overhears uh, them kill someone. And this is a musical. It's a great setup. <laughs> 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 with oh. dancing and, and songs and big oh. showstoppers and stuff. And uh, while it was certainly enjoyable, mm -hmm. had a few dings in it. Mm -hmm. That's why you, you start shows so that you can improve them and get them out there. So I, I don't think we've seen the last of Noir. They have an alley, all new festival uh, every year where they have uh -huh. playwrights that they've developed over the year. They have playwriting workshops and things for kids mm -hmm. in high school that they then go on to produce. And one of the ones that they did this year was a great new show that was called Torea. Uh -huh. And it was about a, a woman, a Mexican woman who wanted to be a bullfighter. Uh -huh. They also had Born with Teeth, which was about uh, Shakespeare and Marlowe yeah. and their collaboration, their sexual energy that went on through them. And it was a really bold, brave play. And yeah. it had Dylan Godwin, which is one of their best actors. This whole season has just been wonderful to see. And so, you know, they've just done wonderful stuff that deserves our attention and that deserves our applause and that now deserves our money as well. Yeah. You know, Rob Melrose has been generous. He's been lots, letting lots of other people direct. He's been letting lots of uh, younger and, and less experienced actors mm -hmm. uh, join in on collaborations. You know, it's showing up on the stage, mm -hmm. really touching, exciting new work. I said earlier that Nine Events would be horrified at what Gregory Boyd did while he was there. Mm -hmm. And I think that she'd be really proud of Rob Melrose now. He's doing what a theater is supposed to do, and that is craft new work, develop new actors, and develop new audiences. I always say who you see on stage, mm -hmm. if it doesn't reflect who's in the audience, you're missing something. You're not getting the whole picture you're not telling the whole story if you're not reflecting your audience. I mean, during the Greg Boyd era, the audience seemed really old and white to me. Absolutely. That's where the money was and that's what was safe. Yeah. And so they were doing really, sometimes really safe yeah. things. You know, they'd have something mm -hmm. a little edgy, a little new, and then they'd have something really safe and old. Yeah. Is that changing? It absolutely is changing. Is the audience changing? It is. When I, I went to mm -hmm. Torea, the first time that I have seen more than two Mexicans in the audience. Wow. And I was always one of them. <laughs> so and whoever was with me was the other one, right? Uh, and, and so uh -huh. this time, you know, the majority of the audience was Hispanic. And yes, it was a Hispanic show, so you might expect that. But, you know, there were also shows, Black shows, that Black cast and things that, yeah. and Black audience members. I went to... One of the shows in the pre-show music included rap. Oh wow! Explicit rap. Uh, so yeah, there were <laughs> it was and it was a very mixed crowd, black and white, and, and older and younger and everything. Yeah. And there were a couple people who looked around like, okay, now, mm -hmm. and you know, it fit. 
it worked. Nobody had a heart attack. Nobody fell out of their chair. <laughs> and we went on with it. And it, it, it was okay. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things that I think Rob Melrose and the, and the group of people that he's got out there now mm-hmm. are doing. And I just think that they're doing great work. And, you know, they've earned their place. Yeah. They've redeemed themselves to a large degree. Uh, I don't know how Gregory Boyd is ever going to redeem himself, but the theater has regained its place as a place of innovation, mm-hmm. as a place of expanding audiences and actors' uh, experiences, as a place that welcomes new playwrights and new voices, and you know, just as a place that's creative and welcoming. So what happened with the alley during COVID? Did they have to shut down? Uh, so they they did close down. They figured out how to, to film mm-hmm. and how to uh, produce shorter, smaller plays with one or two people, three people, and get them out. So they did do some innovative programming. And I don't think that that's gone away because they what they've done is kept uh, the webcast as part of your ticket. If you buy a ticket to the show to go see it at the theater, you can also buy a ticket and see it online. So if you miss it online, uh, when it's in the theater on stage, after it's over, there's a, a slot of time that you can see it online. And that's really wonderful because people like me are still not mm-hmm. attending a lot of crowded situations or people just can't get out at all. Yeah. It's a way to see those shows in a way that wasn't possible before the pandemic and that I think has really served a lot of people. What are you most excited about that's coming up? What's on the calendar that has you just ready to get in that seat? <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, Torea. You know, they did that as an experimental kind of show. It was, it was a, a, mm-hmm. a, a scripted reading, and it, they're bringing him back in full production. Yeah. And I can't wait to see the difference between oh. uh, this kind of workshop mm-hmm. and the, the polished, finished show. The workshop that I saw had the playwright in the lead character. Oh, the wow. actress was gone that day, so the playwright read the lead script the lead actor, and read off the script. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with that show, how it's going to end up now that it's going to kind of go through all the tumblings and getting all the rough edges off of it. What's going to be next? How is it going to look? Oh, I can't wait. So to see it from a workshop to a polished... On a stage should be just great to look at. It's going to be really wonderful. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the Alley uh, won one of Outsmart's Gayest and Greatest Awards this year. They won Best Theater. It was really, it was really well deserved. Good to hear. So I'm really happy with where they are, mm-hmm. where they've come from, and and I'm thrilled to have been part of that. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, I used to take acting lessons there. When I was in junior high school, and now you know I've reviewed dozens of, of shows there, and I continue to think that those eight shows a week, watching Betty Fitzpatrick do Streetcar, that that's all the education in theater you ever need. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good to hear. All right. Thank you, Olivia. No, thank you. Thank you. This has been really great. That was Olivia Flores Alvarez. Now, I am here with producer Carleon Jones. Carly, what is going on around Houston today? Hey, Lisa. If you're looking for something to do next Sunday, a restaurant in Pearland called the Greasy Spoon Soul Food Bistro may be the spot to stop by. The restaurant is having its first gospel brunch and fall festival from noon to 4 p.m. on November 20th, which will include vendors, crafts, fall games, and a kid's zone with a live DJ. There's no charge to attend the festival, but the restaurant will offer its full brunch menu, which includes Cajun fried chicken and waffles, catfish and waffles, Cajun fried lobster and crab with grits, smothered pork chops, boudin egg rolls, and more. 
the list of food alone makes me want to stop by. So if you're looking for something, head that way. That is it for our show today. If you like what you heard, please tell two friends. We are trying to find our people. We will be back tomorrow. Talk with you then. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just so you have the question on the tape. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what happened with the alley during the pandemic? They got smart. <laughs> That's what happened. They got really smart. <laughs>